Hello, my name is Bern, and you might know me as Helen's husband, or Noah's dad, or that guy with the long hair who does technical things. But it's my job today to continue our talk series, Who is Jesus? And I'm guessing you already have an image of Jesus as this guy with the long hair who does spiritual things, and technical things, come to think of it. He was a carpenter, he knew how to fit stuff together. I'm going to guess there were some people who knew Jesus because he'd made them a chair or fixed their wobbly table. But who else was Jesus? I'm going to have another guess that most of us and most of our friends know him for his teaching about love and sharing and treating each other better. And he did teach a lot about that, not just encouraging people to be nice, but laying out a whole way of life that could lead to a better world. Now, we're starting to get closer to why lots of people knew Jesus and were getting very interested in him. We all want a better world. But people in Israel, in Jesus's time, really, really needed a lot of things to be better. As we've already seen in Mark's Gospel story, Jesus was born into a nation that was suffering, occupied by the Romans, taxed to high heaven and living under a new kind of peace, the Pax Romana, which is basically, we're building something here, don't make trouble or we'll kill you. Israel didn't want trouble, but they couldn't agree among themselves on how to fix things. And they'd been suffering through massive spiritual arguments for centuries about who was right about God and whether there was life after death and what life ought to look like before death. And while there are some big ideas to go through there, I'm pretty sure that most people's suffering was even more personal. How to afford food when taxes and prices were going up. How to cope when sickness comes along. The very basic things that we can still relate to today. And they were the things that brought crowds to Jesus. Because he wasn't just talking about politics and ideas. He was dealing with suffering and what to do about it. Can you imagine someone doing that today? Can you imagine a leader who didn't just talk some nice talk about levelling up or building back better, but someone you could actually trust, a leader you'd really want to follow because what they say and what they do match up. And they work and they really make the world better, not just for a few people, but for everyone. Could you dare to believe in a leader like that? How? How dare you believe? I want to look at two people in Mark's Gospel who did dare, and I want us to think about what got them to the point of daring to approach Jesus. What was in their heads? What were they expecting? And did Jesus give them what they expected? Or maybe even more? Let's have a look. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, here's what I notice. There's a large crowd. Why? Because Jesus is doing stuff. He's got himself a reputation. Not because of his carpentry or probably even because of teaching. Israel had loads of teachers. A large crowd was following Jesus because he was dealing with suffering. He had power. He could heal. He could make suffering go away. I don't think we're short of people today who can talk the talk about making the world better. 
but people who can walk the walk are maybe in short supply. When you find one, wouldn't you think about following them? But Jairus wasn't there out of curiosity. He fell at Jesus' feet because of his need. As a leader at a synagogue, he was probably more used to community of people who would keep coming to him with their needs. He would have been a Pharisee with a very different answer to how to make the world better, more about laws they were trying hard to develop instead of being told what to do by a guy like Jesus. So Jairus must have been pretty desperate to approach Jesus like this. How dare he? The other Pharisees wouldn't have approved. So maybe he was just out of options. I guess that's one way to dare to believe in Jesus when we don't think we have any other choice. Well, the good news for him is that Jesus went with him. So that's the story. Dare to believe. Admit Jesus is the only way and he'll give you what you ask for, right? Wrong! That's just the beginning of the story. Although Jairus' child is dying, so let's keep that in mind when we look at what happened next. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So this is quite similar to Jairus in some ways. The woman is definitely out of options. She spent all she had on doctors. She's broke and broken. 12 years of bleeding. Mark probably is not writing about paper cuts, but intimate bleeding that would have stopped her having children, made her ritually unclean and unwelcome to share life or food or worship with any of these people. <sighs> have you noticed she doesn't even have a name in this story? This no-name, unclean, unwelcome woman was just as desperate as Jairus, but she wasn't looking for attention in the crowd, just the opposite. What she wanted was just to receive from Jesus and leave it at that. How dare she? How dare she approach Jesus and believe that just touching his clothes could heal her? Well, the good news for her is that it did. So that's her story. Dare to believe, approach Jesus and get what you want, right? <laughs> Wrong again, just like with Jairus. This is the beginning of her encounter with Jesus. She's about to get a lot more attention than she wanted. At once, Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth <laughs> now isn't this a bit odd for one thing jesus has already stopped this woman's bleeding it was a bit unconventional everyone else we've seen healed by jesus has some sort of conversation first but mark is telling us it could happen like this too i'm wondering why did jesus stop and make a big deal out of this 
Didn't he know who touched him? He's Jesus. He knows stuff. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe it's a thing that Jesus' spirit can heal while bodily Jesus has no idea what happened. That's one for the scholars of the Holy Trinity to marvel at. But even so, the spirit could tell Jesus. So why stop? Why make it a thing? Well, now this woman found herself at Jesus's feet, telling her whole story in a big crowd. If she'd been avoiding attention, she didn't get what she wanted. But did Jesus give her something that she needed? He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Yeah, I think so. Because in this meeting with Jesus, which went far more public than she expected, she didn't just receive an end to bleeding. Jesus freed her from suffering, including the suffering of isolation. And what had healed her? Her faith, said Jesus. In Greek, that is her pistis, which means belief. As in, she believed Jesus, she believed in Jesus before talking to him, and she was healed. But it means more than that. Pistis also means faithfulness or a faithful response when asked to do something. It's how business worked in Jesus's time. People who needed support went and found sponsors who would give them what they needed, but expected them to respond faithfully whenever the sponsor asked them to do something. And that's what faith is in the New Testament, pistis. Not just believing an idea, but trusting a provider and doing whatever they ask. This woman was healed because she believed in Jesus enough to approach and her faithful response to him brought out her whole story and ended her isolation and freed her from this secret suffering. Now that is a huge change of life for her. And that seems to set the bar very high for daring to believe. But can you see the most amazing thing that comes out of her encounter with Jesus? She only needed to dare approach him. She only needed to dare to touch him. Jesus knew everything else she needed. And that was probably more than she could dare to ask or even imagine that Jesus could fix. But that's what Jesus did. So we don't need to work out how Jesus should solve all our problems and free us from our suffering. We only need to dare to believe that he can and that he wants to and he'll tell us what to do. I think it's actually good news that we don't have to ask Jesus for every detail of what we need and that Jesus doesn't always give us what we ask for when we ask for it. But it doesn't seem good at the time. Let's check in again with Jairus. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? This is a problem. In his book, King's Cross, about Mark's Gospel, Tim Keller points out that if Jesus had been a doctor, particularly today, he would have got sued over this. Where was his urgency? Where was his compassion? Every A&E department in the world, even in suffering war-torn countries, 
does triage. Any competent doctor would treat a dying child ahead of someone who's put up with their condition for 12 years. So what kind of healer is Jesus? Let's find out. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. <laughs> well, this doesn't look good, does it? Let's look at what's changed. Jairus had approached Jesus in full view of the crowd. He was a public leader. Lots of people would have known him. Probably lots of them would have known his daughter and they'd have been concerned. Wouldn't you expect lots of them to go and see what was happening? But the first thing Jesus did was not let any of them follow him. It's the opposite of what happened with the woman. Jesus turned a public situation into a private one. Now, if I was Jairus, I guess I'd be quite glad about that. I'm already desperate. and Now I'm distraught and I'm starting to grieve. I can't imagine any better time for a bit of space and a chance to process something so difficult in private. So was this the first thing that Jesus was doing to help? Well, what else has changed? Jesus has left behind the crowds that followed him and wanted to believe. And he stepped into a room where people don't believe him. They're laughing at him. They think he's stupid. He doesn't know the difference between death and sleeping. What does that tell you about Jesus? Does Jesus only go healing where everyone believes? No. Does he only reveal God's power when it pleases a crowd? Absolutely not. No, we can dare to believe in Jesus because our business is with him, not our sceptical friends and family. Jesus might reorder the room a bit if they're not helping, like he does here. But look at what can happen next. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Good ending. Did anyone expect that? Even for the few people left in the room who trusted Jesus and thought he could help, actually bringing back someone from the dead is it's like another league, isn't it? It seems a bit silly to ask why this story makes the edit for Mark's gospel, because it was amazing. Jesus can beat death. But I've still got questions. Why did Jesus say not to let anyone know about this? We don't know. Maybe it was just too big a thing. Can you imagine the fuss once the crowd start thinking Jesus can do this and the religious leaders who argued about life after death, they've got even more to get angry with Jesus about? Well, maybe there's something else. Do you remember the woman who approached Jesus privately was forced to go public and she found full healing as Jesus didn't just stop her bleeding but turned her life around? 
for Jairus. I think he went the other way. He was a public leader and Jesus gifted him with some privacy. I'm pretty sure he needed it. He dared to approach Jesus with what he thought he needed. And Jesus gave him even more, including space to deal with himself as well as his daughter. And that is good news. We don't need to plan things out for Jesus or treat him or prayer in general like some cosmic vending machine. We can dare to believe that all we need to do is approach Jesus. Maybe tell him what we think we need. Maybe just let him see. We can dare to believe because Jesus knows us even better than we know ourselves. So his answers to our prayers might surprise us. But look at how much he loves us. Now, I think we need to keep that in mind while we look at a really important final question that any of us who've ever prayed for healing for ourselves or someone we love will have thought about. What happens when we pray and we don't get the healing we ask for? Is this our fault or is it something to do with our lack of faith? <sighs> I don't think there's any easy answer that would make the hurt disappear in that situation. But I would say that when we look at Jesus as he's revealed in this story, we have to let go of some of our expectations. If we thought that our faith would make Jesus do just what we ask when we ask for it, well, these stories say no, that's not who Jesus is. If his answers to prayer were that predictable, well, I think at best we'd have a religion and we'd be under its rules. Approach this way, do this thing, get this result. And at worst, well, that'd be a nightmare if we end up having to be as wise and loving and all-knowing as Jesus before God would trust us with any power in prayer. No, Jesus has already said that's not how it works. God's kingdom is something we grow into, like little seeds that turn into life-bearing trees. We can dare to believe because God treats us like works in progress. That's who we are. We don't have to plan God's kingdom for him. He loves it whenever we pray and he gives us whatever we need. Well, sometimes we will struggle to work out why this isn't what we asked for. Let me give you an example from the story of some old friends. Just over 10 years ago, a family we knew well had a dying son. He was a teenager. He was old enough to have a faith in God and lots of friends to share it with. He was widely known as the friendliest and most positive person just about any of them ever knew, even during the time that his brain tumour was causing him suffering. Doctors said he had very little time and he could not be healed. Now, his family were full of faith that God answers prayers for healing today. We come to believe this together after visiting a vineyard church in Northern Ireland where Mark Marks showed us how to pray for people and witness God healing them from back pain, headaches, toothaches, legs that needed lengthening, all sorts of things, even cancer. And we could be full of certainty that God loves people and full of faith that God heals, but not certainty that God heals everyone every time we ask. 
we knew that we were encountering this same Jesus that we read about in these stories, whose power is awesome, but not predictable to us. And yet, how could he not heal this boy? We mourned his death. We were distraught and confused and angry, and we shared in his family's suffering. Some wondered what they'd done wrong. There's no easy way to shake off feelings like that. But there were also some indisputable facts. God had been very much at work through this boy's life and the way he loved other people. His short life left this indelible impression on so many others, including lots who post on his Facebook page even to this day. And he also inspired an outpouring, not just of grief, but of generosity. In his memory, his family raised enough money to buy a guest house in Devon, which his parents ran for 10 years as a free respite for terminally ill children and bereaved families, paid for by other guests and donors who were inspired by their son. So in a few short years, this boy has done more through his life and his legacy than many of us will ever achieve through our own planning. Does that take away all the pain and the suffering of loss? No, but it does show me the power of believing in Jesus, simply daring to approach him and letting him do things with us that we never expected. Can we dare to believe just that much? Not for every detail of all of our plans to fix the world, but just for a real encounter with Jesus, to believe him and trust that he loves us. I hope you found something here to encourage you, either to approach Jesus or maybe to handle what's happening if your prayers aren't being answered the way you hope. Now, if you'd like to chat or pray about anything relating to this, we would love to do this in person, if you like. You're welcome to pop round this afternoon if you're watching the Sunday service now. Our details are in the comments. And if you're watching or listening any other time, feel free to get in touch on email. Let's pray.